We thank you, God, for your power. Hallelujah. We thank you, Jesus. How many of you can say I'm not the person that I once was? Amen. God took me and changed me. He can do anything. Amen. If he can save me, he can save anybody. Hallelujah. What a great God we serve. Amen. You may be seated. As you know, I'm not Pastor Myers, but he is preaching a conference right now in Brazil, and uh, he's actually preaching to all the Bible school students that are in Brazil. And uh, when I say all of them, I mean a host of Bible schools. They have hundreds and hundreds of Bible schools all throughout that country. And uh, he actually, uh, he sent a little video, and so we turn your attention to the screens right now from Pastor Myers. Praise the Lord, church. I bring you greetings from the Bible School campus on the outskirts of Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. We are having a great conference here with all the Bible School students. This is one of the dreams that Brother Benny DeMerchant had, was to bring all the Bible Schools together and to have a national conference once a year. So in fulfilling my word and my commitment to him from last year, we came this weekend and we were having a great time. We just finished a fantastic service where many of the Bible school students were touched and blessed. We're looking forward to services tonight and tomorrow. And I know that you're gonna have a great church service right there in Palm Bay. And we miss you guys so much. We thank you for your giving to missions through the GO program that makes it possible for us to go and do. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Amen. Why don't we just stand? Let's pray for him right now. Why don't we just pray his anointing upon him? You know, we always get to enjoy his ministry here, and uh, we definitely do enjoy it. Amen. But I know that while he's away, God uses him mightily. And uh, why don't we just lift our hands right now, and let's just ask God to bless him and bless those services today. God, we love you, Lord. We praise you. God, we're calling upon you right now, Lord. We pray, Lord, God, that you would lift up our pastor today. God, that you would anoint him, oh God. Give him favor, God, among those people, Lord. That you would just do a mighty work. God, we thank you, Lord, in advance for what you're going to do and for the revival, God, that's going to spark from this very day in that country, God. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to be a part of it. God, and we pray, Lord, your blessings once again upon it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. While you're standing, let me quickly read one verse in your hearing. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 6. Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 6. The Bible says this. Behold, I will bring it health and cure. And I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. This is a prophecy that Jeremiah is writing about Jesus Christ about five to six hundred years before he even stepped foot on the earth. He said this about Jesus. Jesus will bring health and cure and he will cure them and reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. I want to speak to you over the next few moments on this subject, the revelation of his abundance. The revelation of his abundance. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated.
Thank you, Jesus. Well, we've heard it today through all of these songs and how God just works the songs and the messages together, as Pastor said numerous times, is just an amazing thing. We've heard about the greatness of God, how great our God truly is. And that word, I think, has sometimes even, uh, you know, been misused in our culture. You know, people have been called great. Uh, in, the, in the sports world, they have a term that they're now calling GOAT, which means the greatest of all time. And they're saying, is this person the GOAT? You know, is this the greatest of all time? You know, there's been people that have been called great from athletes to musicians to, to artists and and all of these attributes, people will label them as great. Singers and musicians, people begin to hail them as the greatest. You know, there's the, the king of rock and roll, and people still travel, you know, and, and go and see the home where he grew up, and, and all of those things. And, and uh, you know, that he was raised in a Pentecostal church. But yet we know how his life ended so tragically. You can look at all the greats of our world. It doesn't matter, you know, who they are or, or what they have done. They always have an end to their so-called greatness. But the great thing about our God is that our God is risen. We've just celebrated that, but we celebrate that our God still reigns. That he has not, his greatness has not ended. His greatness has no end. He was great in the beginning and he'll be great until time ends and he'll be great for all of eternity. There have been kings that have risen up and called themselves great. You can think of Alexander the Great or Louis the Great. Louis the Great, I have read a story about him and Whenever he passed away, he was, uh, he was the, the king over France, and he was uh, very wealthy, and obviously people travel from all over the world to France to see their architecture and things that have been built, just beautiful buildings and courthouses and, and just uh, gardens and all of its majesty. I've been privileged to go and see the beauty of those things. And this man, he was one of the longest reigning kings in Europe. He reigned for 72 years. And on his deathbed, Louis the Great, the, bio, uh, the history tells us that, that, that his casket was, was pure gold. And at his funeral, they went into this cathedral and thousands of people tried to pack this cathedral to see Louis the Great off into eternity. And the, and the history tells us that they dimmed all of the lights. They, they dimmed all of the candles, and only candles there right by his casket was there to illuminate his greatness. And uh, the story goes that the bishop of the church there in France got up, and before he said anything, he, he went down to the candle that was illuminating his casket and his greatness, so-called, and he put it out. And he said these words, he said, there's only one that's great. And that's how he started it. Because today, ladies and gentlemen, we just don't serve a king. We serve the king of kings. And we serve the Lord of lords. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
But great, I don't think, can even begin to describe God. I don't know if we have a word that can rightfully describe God in all of His majesty. David, I love to read the Psalms because he paints beautiful pictures about how great God is. You know, throughout all of his Psalms, you can read them and he just talks about how the Lord is mighty and the Lord is great. And one of them says the Lord is great and therefore he's greatly to be praised. And you go through and you see how great God is. And today, as we're on this path of jubilee, we're focusing on that in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, where he says, He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. Today, we understand that God desires to give His people healing. And God desires to show His greatness through His people. That's one thing that you see throughout the entire Word of God. You see God demonstrating His great power and His great authority through His people. And I rise today to tell you no matter what you're facing, God is able to overcome it. It doesn't matter what you're facing. Just as that song says, it makes no difference what the problem. My God, He's able to solve it. And that's one thing that I want to tell you today. I've come to build your faith up this morning. And I've come to remind you just how great God is. But we can hear it so much that I think sometimes it loses its power. You know, the more we hear something, the more it loses its, its, uh, its, a, its grasping attention. You know, you can remember the first time that your husband or your, or your wife said, I love you. You can remember how that, you just love to hear that first time they said it. Hopefully you loved the first time they said it. It didn't shock you or anything. Some people are scared by it. But as you go on, you can't forget to keep saying it to your husband or to your wife. But sometimes it can just lose its meaning, right? You just say, all right, bye, honey, I love you. I'll see you, you know. And there's a difference between that. And sometimes you'll know there's a difference between just going through the motions and, you know, just saying, I love you, honey, have a great day, and, and just stopping and saying, honey, I love you. You say the same thing, but it's a different meaning. There's this, uh, there's this commercial out now where people are saying the same thing, but it's a different meaning. I think it's an insurance commercial or something. And this girl had just gotten a brand new car, and she said... I can't believe it. This is the best day ever. And then it cuts to a guy who, who just had, you know, everything stripped from his car. And he goes and he says, oh, I can't believe it. This is just the best day ever. You, know? you could say the same thing, but it can have different meaning. And sometimes we got to be careful that, that we can just say, God, you're great, but not really truly understand and mean what we say. I believe this is what Jeremiah was talking about. Jeremiah said, I'm going to reveal unto my people their abundance. Through Jesus Christ, he said, I'm going to reveal unto them my true power and my true love. There was no greater love than this, the Bible says, that a man would lay down his life for his friend. And that's what we see Jesus did for us. It doesn't make sense. But all throughout time... and I, I want to focus on that word abundance today. 
Because God is able and God has abundance. It's interesting if you go through the Bible and look up that word, it's a, it's a great study in looking at the abundance of God. God has always done that. God in His abundance has always, you know, we've always seen that. We've always went, uh, you, you know, you, you see that when you go throughout all of history and how great God is and how powerful God truly is. You can go throughout history and you can look at creation. God created us in abundance. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He said, let there be stars in the heaven. And we know that scientists, as they look deeper and deeper into the universe, they can't find an end to the universe. They can't find an end to the stars that he made. He made them in abundance. He made them in abundance. There's no end to it. It just serves notice to us to remind us that there's no end to God. He says, whenever he says, let, let, the, let the sea bring forth life, he said, do it in abundance. He uses that word. He said, bring forth in abundance. He looked at man and he said, breathe fruitful and multiply upon the face of the earth. And he looked at uh, Abraham and he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless your seed as the, as the stars in the heaven, as the sand that's on the seashore. I'm going to bless you in abundance. And it's not just a few chapters later to where you see that the children of Abraham, the Bible specifically says, they grew in abundance. Just a few chapters later in your Bible. Because God does things in abundance. Our God doesn't do things halfway. He doesn't do things, you know, He doesn't do a part of a job and leave it undone. God does things in abundance. And God pours out His blessings in abundance. And it's, it's an abundant God that we serve. The Bible says God's not slack. He's not lacking anything. God's not, God's not in need of anything. God has more than enough for us. And we see that when we go throughout all of history. He gave favor in abundance to Joseph. You go throughout history and you see that, you know, he gave revelation in abundance to Daniel. Bishop's been talking about the, the revelation that, that Daniel had and how God showed him so many things that was to come. God gave that in abundance. You hear about Samson and how God gave him abundant strength. And you hear about Elijah and Elisha and how God gave them abundant miracles through their ministry. God gives things in abundance. And I believe that God desires to do the same thing with His people. God desires to do the same thing with you and I. We can't just say that I've, I've heard that before and I, I've prayed before and I've asked God for a miracle before. And, 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 and we just don't push it aside and, and miss out on what God has for us. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20 the Bible says, now unto him that is able to do exceeding and abundantly above all that we are able to ask or even think according to the power that worketh in us. If you could put that scripture up there, Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 20, it says, he's able 
God is able. That's one thing we've got to understand. He's able. And I know we've been talking about that. He's great. He's able. He's powerful. But not only that, that he's, he's able to do exceedingly. He's able to do abundantly. He's able to do above all. You think the writer was trying to get a point across to us? He just didn't say, you know, God's able to do all that we have. He wanted to make sure that we knew. Now unto him that's able, he's able to do exceedingly. He's able to do abundantly. He's able to go above and beyond. He's able to do it all. He's able to do above all that we can ask or even think. He's able to do it. Sometimes I think it's in what we ask. And how small we ask. We've got to be careful we don't, we don't ask too small. Because he's able to do above what we can ask. Or he says even think. Even think. Even the biggest thing you can think about God doing, God can do it. Now the devil has been trying to beat you up and tell you that your problem is too big for God. That your situation's too great for God. That your children will never be saved. That you'll never be able to overcome that sickness. Or you'll never be, over, be able to overcome that trauma. Or that nobody will ever love you. But God's able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all. Above all that we can ask or even think. But you see that as you go throughout history. You see how God provided. You see how God provided for the children of Israel as they were in the desert for 40 years. You think about it. They estimate somewhere around 3 million people wandered in the desert for 40 years. Think about how much food God had to provide for them and how much water God had to provide for them. And the Bible says that their clothes did not wear out. And God just provided for them every step of the way but we truly don't get a glimpse of the abundance of God until we see Jesus when Jesus steps on the scene we see his abundant love and his abundant power in our lives if you would put up John chapter 21 and verse 25 John 21 and 25 it says this this was at the end of Jesus' ministry. And there were also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written, every one. If we were to write down everything Jesus did, I suppose that not even the world itself could contain the books that should be written. Think about what that says. Now we, we have our Bible and we have our stories and, and uh, we, have, you know, we have those, but John says... The world could not contain the books that could be written about what Jesus did. Sometimes a chapter ends and the Bible says Jesus went everywhere healing all manner of diseases. It says, you know, sometimes it says Jesus, you know, just out of compassion, he would walk and everybody that touched him was healed. All of those miracles and all of those things which Jesus did, it was just his abundant love. God was showing his abundant love and his abundant grace through us. You may say, well, I wasn't, I wasn't raised in the right family. I wasn't raised in church. 
You know, I, I don't think God could really love me. And I, I don't think God could really care about me. People think that way. And the devil tries to get into people's minds and to try to tell them, yeah, God's able, but he's not going to do it for you. God's not like that. The Bible says that he's rich in love. Think about that. He's rich in love and slow to anger. That's the God that we serve. You know, it's not like, you know, I think the, the richest man in the world now is Bill Gates. $75 billion is his net worth. He has an abundance, we can say. <laughs> you can say that safely. But there's a difference between Bill Gates and God in their abundance. Because just me knowing Bill Gates doesn't mean that I'm going to be able to get anything or receive anything of his abundance. Because he doesn't know me. He doesn't love me. You know, he doesn't know where I'm at. He doesn't know what I'm going through. You know, he doesn't know, he probably doesn't know where Palm Bay is on the map. But God is different. The Bible says he knows the very number of hairs that are on my head. Come on, somebody. You got a God that's not only able, you got a God that loves you and that cares about you and that knows exactly what you're going through. He knows where you're at. He knows where you're going. He sees your situation. That's why he's a great God. Not just because he has great capacity, but because he has great compassion as well. And he lived it through his life. His life tells us it doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. God knows what you're going through. You think about it, the God that created the world, that flung all those stars into space. When he came to this earth, he was born in a stable in a little town called Bethlehem. Raised in Nazareth where can anything good come out of Nazareth? And you think, God, I wasn't, you know, I didn't come from the right family. Nothing good comes out of my family. Jesus can say, I know exactly where you're at. You can say, well, my family's rejected me. The Bible says he was despised and rejected of men. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But that verse continues, says, But as many as receive him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God. Let me tell you something. God loves you, and he knows where you're at. He walked this earth. He didn't walk with a high nose, looking down at everybody that wasn't perfect. God went to those that were broken and he went to those that were bruised and he said, I've got healing for you. I've come with the cure. I've come to reveal my abundance to you. I'm coming to the blind man that's on the wayside. I'm coming to the hurt. I'm coming to the little man in the tree that nobody cares about. Named Zacchaeus. I've come for the thief that's hanging next to me on the cross. This day you shall be with me in paradise. When you think of a God, you don't think of a God doing that. 
because it doesn't make sense. But it just shows the greatness of our God. How His ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. If you look at some of the miracles that Jesus did, He did them in abundance. And when people understand the abundance of God, He called it great faith. Because when you understand that God has so much power and that He loves you, it was an amazing thing. You can go through and you can look. You know, the, the, I'm always fascinated, and I know I talk about it a lot, but the, the Bible says in John that this boy came forth. The people were hungry, and, and, uh, and they said, should we send the people away to eat? And they said, no, no, don't. Jesus said, don't send the people away to eat. Go, go see what food we have. And so they went out, the disciples went out among the crowd. The Bible says the crowd was about 5,000 men, not including the women and children, and went out among the crowd, and they came back and said, here, this boy has five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, perfect. That's enough. And the Bible says that he blessed it, and he began to break it. And he began to reveal his abundance. He began to break it and break it. And they sat down and the Bible says that they fed the 5,000. And they fed. And the Bible just doesn't say that they fed. But he says, go gather up everything that's left over. And the Bible says that there was 12 baskets of food left over. Because he does things in abundance. He wants to show his power through your life. Sometimes we get this idea that we gotta, we gotta beg God and we've gotta, you know, we've gotta put on a sad face. We just, we just need to trust in Him. We just need to trust in His love and, and humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. And if we do that, God will move in our lives and use our life as a testimony. He'll use our pain as a testimony. But some people, they... They have misplaced anger. That's what I call it. I call it misplaced anger. And I, I've gotten this question before. I remember, you know, working with the youth, and we had opened it up for a, a question night one time, and I had just started teaching the youth, Bishop. We opened it up for question and answer. Said, you know, we'll answer all your questions. And, and uh, that's a dangerous thing to do, especially with young people. And the girl looked at me, and one of them, and she said, if God really loves us, then why is there pain and suffering and hunger and death in the world? I was like, oh, Jesus, help me, Lord. <laughs> Talk about the biggest question that humankind has. And I just, I, I just felt the Holy Ghost give me the right answer. And I looked at that group of young people, and I said, look, God did not create us to be in hunger God did not create us to be in pain, and God did not create death. You go back to the beginning of the Bible, and you read. When you read the first books of the Bible, God literally created heaven for us on earth. And, and he, he created that for us. And the Bible says that, that the earth just watered itself, and, and the, the, the plants just came forth itself, and, and there's no, there was no death. There was no pain. There was none of these things existed. Until that old serpent, the devil, came along. 
and got humankind to sin. Then you find there's death. And the day that they ate of that, they surely died. And then the Bible says there will be pain in giving childbirth. And there will be, there will be the, the serpent that will constantly bite the heel of humanity. And we've always had to deal with the devil since then. And, and you see all of these things. And you say, well, why? Because of the devil. And ever since then, God's had a plan. And I've come to tell you, God loves you and God has a plan. God, He's not going to leave us in our mess. He's not going to leave us in our pain. He's not going to leave us in fear of what's going to happen tomorrow. But Jesus said these words. He said, let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. He said, in my Father's house are many mansions. I'm talking about an abundance. There's an abundance in my father's house. If it were not so, I would not have told you. He said, I'm going right now to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. God's got a place prepared for us where there's no more pain. There's no more sorrow. The Bible says he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. He's going to make all things new. Come on, it's that what he was talking about this morning. There's suddenly God's going to take us. And there, there'll be no more pain. There will be no more death. We won't know what loss is anymore. All the pain in this world, God's going to heal it. God's going to take it. It's the greatness of our God. He has things prepared for us. In abundance. He's got an abundance prepared for us. There was a woman that came to Jesus. And she, uh, she had a daughter that was being tormented by devils, the Bible said. She was a Greek. At this time, Jesus' ministry was only to the Jews. And she came to him and she, she worshipped him and said, God, I need your help. Please help my daughter. And he looked at her, and he said, you know what, it's not, it's not time for me to give the children's bread to the dogs. And she said something that I think just amazed Jesus. She said, yes, Lord, that's true. But even the dogs sit under the table of the children, and if... They just get a crumb. They're satisfied. Let me tell you something. God's got an abundance. And all it would take is just a crumb of God's abundance. And she said, I don't need to sit at the table. I just need a crumb to fall from the table. And I know that crumb is enough. I've seen you and I've seen the abundance that is in you. And if I could just get a crumb to fall from the master's table, I know that my daughter would be healed. And Jesus said, be it unto you as your faith is. The Bible says that her daughter was healed. Let me tell you something. All you need is just a little bit of God. Let me tell you, you may feel like I don't belong here. I don't even know why I'm in this church. I don't belong at the table. Let me tell you, you just get right alongside that table. You just get right alongside that brother or that sister that's worshiping God. Because a little crumb could fall 
a little abundance could fall and it could hit you and you could have all that you need. Hallelujah. How many of you ever come into the house of God just beat down? You feel like all you can do is just hide under the table. You just, it took everything just to, just to get to the house of God. But thankfully, when we get around our brothers and sisters, and we begin to talk about how God is awesome. He's my provider. He's my healer. It, those, it just, it's just like those things begin to feed us. And, and we begin to be reminded of His abundance. And, we just, we, just, we just get into this, oh, I've only come with five loaves and two fish, but I leave full when I'm, when I'm done with the presence of God. How many of you have come with just a little bit of worship left in you? You're like, God, I only got five loaves and two fish, bit of worship left in my body. But you say, God, I'm going to give it to you. And as you begin to worship, you get another worship on your mouth. As you begin to dance, you get another dance in your step. As you get to say, thank you, Jesus, you get a hallelujah that comes in your mouth. And you leave, with, you leave the house of God with 12 baskets of praise left over. And when you wake up the next morning, all you can do is praise. When you go to bed, all you can do is praise. Why? Because the abundance of God gets poured out upon you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. There's another story in the Bible where it says, Jesus, he said, I need to go through Samaria. Now, if you don't know, they didn't go through Samaria. The Jews did not go through Samaria. They, they walked around Samaria. I mean, it wasn't like they had cars where it was just easy. To, I mean, they took time and effort to go out of their way because they didn't want to be poisoned by the people of Samaria. They didn't want to, you know, get the filth of Samaria on them. But the Bible says Jesus said, I must go through Samaria. I'm not going to go around Samaria. I'm going to go through it. And the Bible says that Jesus gets there and they get to a well of Jacob and sits there on the well, and this lady comes by, this woman from Samaria. And I can just picture Jesus sitting on the well, and Jesus sitting there, and the disciples have gone to go get some food, and Jesus is all by himself, by divine appointment. And this woman comes up with her bucket. She's coming to the well to get, I'm sure, enough water maybe for the week, or you know, maybe, you know, for a couple days, you know, when you go to these other countries, you'll see people that don't have, you know, the running water like we do here. They'll, they have this community, you know, this pump that they go to or this well that they go to and they'll bring, they'll bring buckets and they'll make it a day trip to go to the well and get some water. And Jesus sits there and says, woman, can you give me a drink? And she was shocked. She said, how are you a Jew? Asking me, a Samaritan, to get you a drink. She said, the Jews don't even deal with Samaritans. We don't, we don't even talk to them. You don't talk to us. And she's like, well, how are you asking me for a drink? And Jesus looked back at her. And he said some powerful words. He said, if you knew who I was, you would have asked me for a drink. 
And I would have given you water that you'll never thirst again. He said, see this bucket that you're coming to get. He said, you're coming to get some water and eventually that's going to dry up. There's going to be nothing left in a week. There's going to be nothing left in the tank. He said, but the water that I give you will be a spring that will well up in you. Now, I almost titled my message this morning, Do You Want a Bucket or a Spring? Because that's really the question. Sometimes I think we come into the house of God with our little bucket and say, God, can you just fill me up for the week? Can you just give me enough strength to make it through the week? While God's sitting at the well saying, come on. Just ask me for a well. Come on, I'll give you living water in your home. Come on, anytime you need it, I'll be there. Anytime you need a drink, you can drink from the well that I'll give you. I'll put it right in your home, right in your living room, right in your car. You'll never thirst again. It'll be abundant. Water, would you stand? The Bible says that she left her water pot with Jesus. She says that she left it. Uh, normally, why would that matter? Because she said, I'm not going back to something where I just live week to week. And not in abundance. Jesus said this, John chapter 10 and verse 10. The thief cometh not before to steal and to kill and to destroy. And that's what the devil did. He stole our joy. He killed it. Destroyed it. He said, but I have come. That you might have life. And that you might have it more abundantly. I've come to reveal to you that God has an abundance. And it doesn't matter what you're facing. God can take it. And then the Bible says this. And this is something that I just found so awesome. The writer of Romans writes, where sin abounds, grace does much more about. <laughs> Come on, if you got pain in your life, God has more healing than you've got pain. If you've got sin in your life, He's got more grace than you've got sin. You feel worthless. You feel like your life means nothing. He's got more purpose to give you. I don't know what you may be facing or what may be holding you back or what may be weighing you down. But God wants to give of His abundance. And we need to say, God, I don't just want to make it through the week. I just don't want to get to Wednesday and hopefully on Wednesday I can 
fill up my bucket again. But we can say, God, I want your well to give me healing every day, to give me peace every day, to give me strength every day, to give me joy every day. And I want to open this altar in just a minute. And I want you to come with faith believing. When you ask Jesus Christ for your miracle and for your blessing, that the Bible says the windows of heaven can open up and He can pour out a blessing that we cannot contain. I end with this. The Bible says just before in John 21, just before he said the books of this world could not, or the world could not contain the books that should be written. Just before that, the Bible says that the disciples were fishing. They had been fishing all night. And he came along and he said, why don't you cast one more time? And the Bible says they cast down their nets and they brought it up and it wasn't just one or two fish, but the Bible says there was an abundance. It actually names it 153 fish. They had been going all night and they hadn't caught anything. And I don't know how long you've been asking God. I don't know how long you've been fishing. How long you've been needing something from God. And it seems like it's just come up empty. Let me tell you something, God's got an abundance. And we've been praying and we've been fasting. And God is going to pour out of his abundance. I wonder if you would come one more time and just ask God to move. These altars are open if you have a need in your life. Come on, it may not be a physical need, it may be a mental need. It may be a spiritual need. If you need a healing in your life, God is able to do it. He said, I've come with the cure. Come on, would you trade in your bucket for a well? Come on, God's told you. You matter. Hallelujah. He's here. I love you. Hallelujah. Cast all your cares upon him. Because he cares for you. Hallelujah.